what could you do with Bitcoin if you could do anything? And the answer is really liquid. Hello there from Bedford. How are you all? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by the mighty Kraken, the best place to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And today I have an interview with Blockstream's Adam Back and Samson Mao to discuss the Liquid Network. But before that, I do have a message from my show sponsors. So have you checked out sportsbet.io yet? The best place for online gambling. And guess what? They accept Bitcoin. And after this long sporting break, football is finally back on the agenda and the Bundesliga is playing again. And to celebrate this, Sportsbet has a Bundesliga Super Streak Challenge. If you win 10 bets in a row before the end of the season, you will walk away with 100 MBTC. That is 0.1 BTC, or for you SAT stackers, 10 million SATs. You will walk away with that in cash, and hopefully soon the rest of the football season will be back, and I will be able to stick some bets on the Premier League. If you want to find out more, head over to sportsbet.io, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O. Also, we have crypto mining tools. Now, with the halving done and with Bitcoin strong, I want to welcome back Scott Orford to the show. So the Bitcoin halving has had an impact on mining profitability. And Scott from Crypto Mining Tools has a solution for Bitcoin mining equipment owners looking to get a little bit more life out of their miners. I've told you before about Scott's Bitcoin mining calculator, or Scott has recently launched a Bitcoin miner hosting directory. If you need to move your Bitcoin miners to a more cost-effective location due to the halving, go to CryptoMining.Tools and you can research hosting options available in your country and around the world. Scott is also looking to add more hosting and co-location providers to his hosting directory. So if you own a mining farm and you've got extra space and you want to get it filled, reach out to Scott's hosting partnership development guy, Shannon Squires. You can reach him on Telegram at Squires, S-Q-U-I-R-E-S. Also, you can use the contact form found at CryptoMining.Tools. Also, my new sponsor, Least Authority, have you checked them out yet? Now, this is for you techies out there, the builders creating applications. Least Authority is a security consulting company pushing the limits on how to build privacy respecting solutions. They specialize in security audits, design specification reviews and security by design, while also making regular contributions to the open source and decentralized space. They can help you improve the security of your wallet application, key management solution, layer 2 protocol, P2P network design, use of cryptography, and much more. If you want to get a boost for your security strategy, you can arrange a no-obligation call to find out how Least Authority can help you on your next project. Just head over to their website and hit the Schedule a Call button at leastauthority.com, which is L-E-A-S-T-A-U-T-H-O-R-T-Y.com. Okay, on to the show, and I want to welcome back Adam Back and Samson Mao. Both have been on the show a couple of times in the past and I always love chatting to them. And today we're going to get into the Liquid Network. Now, Liquid is a Blockstream Layer 2 solution currently aimed at traders, exchanges and market makers and allows for fast and more confidential transactions than the Bitcoin base chain. Now, obviously, like anything else, it does have its trade-offs. It is more centralized and sacrifices some censorship resistance, but it does have valid use cases. And it also allows for tokens to be built on top of the network, which, you know, comes with uh, probably some critics, but is also very interesting, something worth looking at. Now, Liquid has been around for a while. I first touched on it, actually, when I had Adam first on the show. And it certainly hasn't been without its critics. So I asked Adam and Sansom to come on, discuss it. 
And you already know, it's going to be a great conversation with these two. I hope you enjoy this. If you've got any questions about the show, feel free to hit me up. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. And also, I've got a new Defiant show coming out tomorrow. It's going to be a hot one. It's going to be my first proper audio documentary. Now, one episode one as a tester, but you might want to check that out. Okay, have a great week, and I will see you soon. Samson, Adam, how are you both? Good. Thanks for having us on. Not too bad. Thanks, Peter. It's good to have you both back on the show. I, you probably don't remember, Adam, but the first time we recorded, we talked about Liquid. And I would say I'm probably 5 or 10% better armed now to actually discuss it in my technical abilities. But I've seen a lot of Liquid stuff coming out, so I think it's time to just talk about it, allow people to understand what's going on with it. So uh, I'm just going to throw it out there to begin with. It's like a very broad kick-us-off question, but what actually is Liquid? So it's a... Uh, type of layer two, which is a sidechain, so uh, a Bitcoin layer two, the one people are most familiar with being Lightning. Uh, Liquid is another layer two. And the idea with having different layer twos for Bitcoin is that they can happen more permissionlessly and they can add new capabilities to Bitcoin, make different trade-offs, introduce features that would you know, spam up Bitcoin or be too high risk for Bitcoin. And you know, sometimes some of the features that have been tried in sidechains in the past, so in the, in the elements and liquid sidechain, have uh, actually made their way into Bitcoin proper after you know, two to four years. Uh, in 2015, uh, Elements, which is the open source platform Liquid is built using, had an earlier variant of Schnorr signatures. And now there's a BIP and polished code, so I presume that Bitcoin is going to get Schnorr signatures on Taproot later this year or maybe next year. We'll see. But I think Liquid can also be considered a layer 1.5 because we can also have a Lightning Network on top of Liquid and Liquid assets like Tether or any other token issued in the network. So how does that work? How do you have Lightning on Liquid? Well, Liquid is... Uh, a fork of Bitcoin. So it is a Bitcoin sidechain. It has a lot of the same, most of the same code base as Bitcoin with uh, a few additions that we've added. So uh, like Adam's mentioning, we're, we have more features coming out. We'll have Simplicity, the smart contracting language available on Liquid. But essentially, it's the same as Bitcoin. So like Bitcoin, you can have a Lightning Network. But unlike Bitcoin, we have assets in the network at the same level as Bitcoin. So if you look at Liquid Tether or the Bitsy token, those things are at the same functional level as a Bitcoin in the Bitcoin network. So each one of those assets can have its own Lightning network, technically. Why would you want that, though? Because from what I've seen of the benefits of Liquid, it, it kind of solves the things that Lightning solves anyway. I mean, Lightning is a way to scale blockchains, and blockchains are hard to scale. So Liquid itself is not a solution to scaling because it's ultimately going to have similar trade-offs as any blockchain has, which is if the amount of data to process gets too big, it will become hard to audit and less decentralized. So Liquid still has that trade-off, but nevertheless, people sometimes want to do retail payments or micropayments or in-game payments using uh, a blockchain asset. And so in Bitcoin, I introduced Lightning, and Blockdream has a, it's one of the implementers of Lightning. So we have an implementation called C Lightning, and we're pretty active in building out the Lightning specification with our 
uh, contributors, uh, Rusty, Christian, and Lisa, primarily. Um, and so then in the liquid context, there are, there are many different assets in liquid. So examples include US dollars, uh, at the moment Tether, others in the works, a Canadian dollar, LCAD by Bull Bitcoin. There are exchange tokens like Bitsy. And more recently, there are in-game assets. So there's a game called Light Knight. Uh, Samson has another game, which he can uh, maybe talk about in a bit. And the idea with the with the in-game assets is that you can have an in-game asset that you can bring out of the game and store in a wallet, and then you can use it. You can swap it, you can give it to a friend, maybe you could sell it. And if there are micropayment applications for it, maybe you could you know, buy things or use it for loyalty points for discounts in a scalable way in a game that has millions of users, let's say. Now, when your assets are in the game, they are just database, they're just database records, and all of the crypto assets would be in a big omnibus wallet, the same way that you know when you put when you put coins on an exchange, they sit in the exchange's kind of shared wallet. So while they're in the game, they're like that, but you can take them out of the game and then you can use lightning with them. Um, so you'd be able to send like you know small cheap payments using US dollars. And that would be, for example, a competitor to uh, Libra. So I think, you know, the combination of liquids plus US dollars on liquid plus lightning on liquids is, is basically a Libra killer. It, it's got all the tech, it's mature tech, and it's very scalable, very low cost. So that's the interest to be able to get the kind of scalability and instant settlement benefits of lightning and some confidentiality advantages, but have them on any asset that you want to issue on Liquid. Like Adam is mentioning, you have limits on scalability with any blockchain, and Lightning is a way to address that. So for Infinite Fleet, that's the, the game that I'm working on right now, the plan is to replace the in-game currency uh, with a crypto token issued on Liquid uh, called INF. But the goal is to give players peer-to-peer -peer portability so they can take it in and out of the game as they want. And at the initial stage, because we can't, it, it, Lightning is not ready for liquid assets just yet, we'll probably give them the token, uh, the INF token. But th that would still be impractical at some level. So what we need to do is kind of act like an exchange. Players will deposit the token or withdraw the token from the game, much like an exchange. But if we are able to implement Lightning on top of a liquid asset, then they can just hold their own tokens and transact peer-to-peer -peer through the Lightning Network without us having to act as a you know, deposit and uh, withdrawal gatekeeper. Okay. So if Liquid is a fork of Bitcoin, what, what are the, some of the key differences that uh, somebody needs to understand? So I'm assuming one of the key differences is you don't have an issuance of 21 million Liquid coins, or do you, and that you are uh, when you buy it? Or do you start with no Liquid uh, tokens and then somebody deposits Bitcoin and you provide it on issuance like that? How does that work? Like how does, I'm assuming there isn't a halving, you have something different from mining. What are all the key differences? So unlike a almost any other blockchain, there is no sort of pre-mined ICO fuel malincentive thing going on with Liquid because it's not, it's not an altcoin. It's a sidechain or a layer two on Bitcoin. So in the same way that 
the asset you use in Bitcoin Lightning is Bitcoins. The asset you use in Liquid is Liquid Bitcoin. And there's a sort of technical mechanism to move Bitcoins between Bitcoin main chain and the Liquid chain. And they have different trade-offs when they're there and you can move them backwards or forwards. You can uh, run a full node on the Liquid network and audit the chain. The same way that you can run a Bitcoin node. Um, Liquid has doesn't have miners, it has block signers that use HSMs for sort of HSM contained block signers as an alternative to mining. And that provides some different security trade-offs and benefits because it's, it doesn't have a randomized mining process, so the blocks can be faster, so they're set to one minute. And there isn't much possibility for you know race conditions or the randomness doesn't conspire as much. So in, in Bitcoin, you usually want to wait for three to six confirmations because more than one, you know, a reorganization more than one block deep can happen. And it does happen like, you know, once in a while. Um, and that's why exchanges will typically ask for three confirmations or six confirmations. And of course that that's slow, right? It takes up to an hour, maybe longer if, uh, if you're unlucky or if the hash rate is slowing down, which topically it is right now because we've just gone through a halving. So the, uh, the hash rate's falling rapidly and the blocks have slowed down. Um, so backing up the, the liquid blocks are being block signed. There's no possibility for reorganization more than two. So if you see two confirmations, it's final. The consensus algorithm can assure that. And so you know that within generally a maximum of two minutes, your transaction is going to be final and it's much more predictable. So it's convenient for trading. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not high frequency trading but it's human time trading that I can click a few buttons, move some assets from my cold wallet to an exchange or move them from one exchange to another because I see a better price somewhere else. And it will happen without me getting too bored and having to go away and come back in an hour and see if it's there yet. So that's good for sort of human time trading. And it has some other kind of advanced properties that are all in the interests of hardening that, making that more secure. So one aspect is to get coins out of liquid, they are restricted by the HSM to go into the cold wallet of one of the exchanges, one of the liquid exchanges. And that's so that you know, if an exchange is hacked or something, the worst that can happen is some coins can wrongly go into an exchange's cold wallet, and then they're going to reconcile it at the end of the day and say, what are these coins doing in this wallet? And they can try and figure out what happened, right? Whereas the usual risk for exchanges is if they get hacked, a bunch of coins are taken from the site. So it means that Liquid, taking Bitcoins out of Liquid is intentionally two-step. So what happens in practice for user convenience is the exchange will, if you deposit Liquid Bitcoin and try to withdraw standard on-chain Bitcoin, they will give you some of their hot wallet Bitcoin and they'll go move coins around afterwards and maintain a, a liquid wallet and a Bitcoin wallet. And most of the exchanges that have, I mean, the experience as a, as a trader on the exchanges, uh, most of them have 
treated liquid Bitcoin and Bitcoin is fairly interchangeable. So you can deposit Bitcoin or you can deposit liquid Bitcoin. They both show up as Bitcoin and you can and trade them. And you can withdraw Bitcoin as liquid Bitcoin or Bitcoin interchangeably. And behind the scenes, they just manage a Bitcoin wallet and a liquid Bitcoin wallet and sort of solve the problem for you. But as a, as a power user, you can actually uh, peg in. You can move Bitcoins from the main chain into the liquid chain all by yourself. It takes, you know, it takes about two thirds of a day uh, to 100 blocks, but you can do it yourself. Getting out, not so easy. The reason is this sort of extra security protection to ensure that it's harder to get funds out and that exchanges can, uh, you know, sit in the middle, speed it up for you and catch something if it goes wrong that coins appear in their cold wallet that they weren't expecting. Okay, so there's another benefit outside of just the speed with the liquid. There's actually a security benefit because it becomes a lot harder to hack the Bitcoin. Well, liquid Bitcoin, a harder well, to hack. So I, I would say that generally Bitcoin itself is always the strongest, most secure, most censorship resistant, most unseizable version on the main chain because if there was a way to improve that, it would already happened, basically, right? So any, any layers that offer some advantages are almost definitionally doing so at the cost of some disadvantages. So you have to pick your layer based on, you know, well, I don't really need that right now, or the alternatives are even worse. So in, in a case of Lightning, you're trading off some security, but you get, you know, it's more convenient, it's faster and it's more scalable. So that's okay for smaller value payments. In a case of Liquid, if your alternative is you leave money on exchange, well, Liquid is definitely more secure than that because as we know, exchanges get hacked from time to time. And if you have funds on them, you can lose them. Like I personally had some funds in Mt. Gox. I may get them back one day or 15% of them. So it happens, right? And Liquid helps you there because you can move funds between two exchanges, which is custody from exchange A to custody of exchange B via Liquid. That doesn't degrade your security because you're going from custody of one company to custody of another company. The Bitcoin main chain doesn't need to know about that. That's basically spam to everybody concerned. And you don't lose anything by doing it. In addition, if you're using one exchange and you're just, you're just waiting for a trading opportunity with Liquid, you could store that in your cold wallet. And we have, you know, for example, uh, Ledger hardware wallet support for Liquid assets and Liquid, including Liquid Bitcoin. You keep your Liquid Bitcoin in your Ledger hardware wallet. You see the opportunity to trade. You put the coins on the exchange. You trade within two minutes. You take out the you know the tethers you sold or the liquid Bitcoin you bought, put them back in the wallet, your, your exposure is much smaller, which greatly reduces your risk. Now the exchange has to get hacked in the five minutes that you're, you know, put your coins on the exchange, you placed your trade, you took them off. So that's good for you in reducing your risk. And often people won't do that because they know it will be slow to put the funds on. And so they will end up leaving things on the exchange longer and you know people worry about risk so a second second order factor is that because they can react faster exchanges should get more trade volume you know people are scared about exchange risk if the exchange risk is reduced they'll trade more there are some other 
uh, more advanced ways to trade with it. There's something called the liquid swap tool. And the liquid swap tool allows two people, there's a, there's a video online where I can offer to sell you a Bitcoin, what's current price, 9600, and put, you know, use the liquid swap tool on my side to make the offer, cut and paste in a chat application the offer to you. You paste it into your liquid swap tool wallet. And if you like the price, you say okay. And then there's a single transaction that goes to the liquid chain, which is us swapping coins at the agreed price. And there's no trusted party. You know, if if one of us decided to abort the trade, it wouldn't complete. So there's no possibility for you know for one person going first and then not getting paid. Um, and there, there are there's a, a system. So we have a, Blockstream has a joint venture with uh, a company in Japan called Crypto Garage, and they have uh, they use something like this a, a swap tool, but integrated with a chat app. Like partly targeted at the Japanese market, but they also have international participants. And that does something similar, but with multi-sig. So it's showing that you can have even an exchange service or an OTC service without that service needing custody. So ultimately, and you know, there are exchanges interested in deploying this, who we're working with at the moment, you should get to a situation where you can use the exchange interface to place your orders. Now, I, I would sell Bitcoin if it reached this price, that kind of, you know, there's limit orders or the market orders, while your actual coins are still in your hardware wallet. And at the point at which the the price is met, the order gets executed on the, on the liquid chain. And the advantage of that is you can, you know, the exchange is providing services. It's, it's helping you find a buyer or seller. It's de-spamming managing the order book, price discovery, but it doesn't have to take custody. That's good for the exchange and it's good for the users. And it will make, I mean, it should make much more liquid markets because, you know, when we, when we had the flash crash, you know, right, right around when the COVID news came out and people were deleveraging in the conventional market, some of the platforms got overloaded or their order books emptied out. I mean, BitMEX had a big liquidity crunch in a short period of time and shut off the engine at the end of it. So, that's partly because people don't want to leave standing orders on the exchange because that's the material risk. But if I can leave a standing order while my actual coins are in cold storage, like what's to hurt? You know, if I, if I stick a silly low bid in there, it, it will make a much bigger, more liquid market for all concerned and reduce that custody risk. So that's, there's a tra trajectory where we're going. Some of that you can use today. I mean, Liquid Swap Tool, people can download and try. The number of exchanges with Liquid integrated where you can do the quick deposit, uh, quick withdrawal, and move funds. You know, the exchange doesn't always know whether you're moving funds into your own cold wallet or to another exchange. You're just pasting an address, right? So the experience is very Bitcoin-like in pasting addresses. So, so, yeah, so I mean, I'm always trying to think. You know, you know the show I make. It's for this. It's for it's the people who sit on the edge who are just learning about the basics. They want to know. They've heard about liquid and what it is and what it could be used for. Like I was thinking in my in what, what scenario would I use liquid? And I'm I'm trying to get my head around like what liquid is. And I was even beforehand. One of the things I was trying to do was actually categorize what liquid is. Like. 
yeah, is it a is it a platform? Is it is it a is it a, is it a platform for issuing tokens and smart contracts? Is it you know is it essentially like Ethereum or EOS but with better engineering? I I was struggling to categorize what exactly is it, and I I am it is a platform of some kind. But how would you explain that to somebody? What's like what is the elevator pitch? It it is really hard to explain what Liquid is, and that's why we try to primarily frame it as an inter-exchange settlement network, and that is its main function. It's a, a it's a way to move Bitcoin quickly between different crypto exchanges, and I think that is probably the easiest way for most people to understand the functionality. It's a a different form of Bitcoin. So if you think of uh, a Bitcoin is water, and there's three states, then on-chain mainnet Bitcoin is, you know, ice. It's slow to move around, more costly, and then liquid is water. It's uh, uh, quicker to move, easier to move around, and then lightning is probably water in a gaseous state. It's much more faster. So I think that is the simplest way for people to wrap their heads around it. But it also does a lot of other things because we have a lot of R&D projects that are building on top of liquid. And you have, like, we talked about lightning, you have smart contracting, you can do single chain atomic swaps, like Adam talked about. And there's a lot of really cool stuff you can do. And that's what gets a lot of people in the community very excited. Um, You can do tokenization, you can issue assets in the network. And there's really no limit to what is possible. It's almost like, you know, what could you do with Bitcoin if you could do anything? And the answer is really liquid. Right. Okay. So, but it, it is still a platform, right? It's a platform for doing things, for building and creating things. And let me let me ask it. So, how is a liquid Bitcoin say different from a wrapped Bitcoin on something like Ethereum? Hmm. Well, there's a lot of offerings like that, and it. I think the primary difference is the trust model. With Liquid's trust model, you're trusting the federation of exchanges, which you would be trusting anyway. So, I think. Uh, uh, a more direct answer is like, who is Liquid for? The primary user of Liquid should be you know, traders, uh, market makers, uh, trading desks, etc. So if you look at it from that perspective, you're, you're trying to move Bitcoin around quickly. You're trying to trade Bitcoin or trade uh, assets like Tether, etc. Then it makes sense that you would trust this federation of exchanges to maintain that peg. If you're issuing an asset, it's much less of an issue with the federation because you know any asset is centralized in that regard you're trusting the issuer of that asset so for tether you're trusting tether for lcad you're trusting bull bitcoin right so it doesn't matter as much i think the primary concern would be the liquid bitcoin and in that regard if you're trading you're trusting those exchanges regardless yeah i think that that um the early way that liquid was communicated because it was trying to provide information to exchanges initially for why they should integrate and adopt it. I think some users misunderstood it as a business to business network that only businesses could use. And that's really not the case, right? Because anybody can uh, run a wallet, anybody can run a full node, and users can peg in, users can issue assets. Issuing an asset is just another type of transaction. And you can do peer-to-peer payments, you can scan QR codes, paste addresses, store keys offline in a crypto steal, 
store them in a hardware wallet, like a ledger. So it has a feel that's like very Bitcoin-like, uh, which which is more permissionless and familiar than people assumed initially. So, I mean, yeah, it's 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 platform, but you know, it's it's also just a general blockchain. The main difference from other blockchains is there is no kind of native pre-mined separately valued coin that that you know incentivizes people to promote it. It's it's promoted based on being great technology, <laughs> you know, <laughs> based on having merit and technical value and innovation. But is it is it a case, Adam? There, if I if I put a Bitcoin into a liquid, one liquid Bitcoin is created, and if I remove that liquid Bitcoin out back into Bitcoin main chain, then that liquid Bitcoin is burned. Yeah, I mean, the the way we the way I describe it is that you're moving the Bitcoin between the chains, uh, you know, next level down. The coins are kind of suspended on the Bitcoin side while we while somebody is using them on the liquid side. You know, it could change hands multiple times. So the person who takes it out may not be the person who put it in, and maybe a different amount that comes out than went in. But there's a sort of concept of suspended coins that are in the in the peg wallet, and uh, it's it's that pool of funds is controlled operationally by an unattended set of servers with HSMs, HSM being a hardware security module. So. You know, a group of the exchanges have this equipment in their data center beside their hot wallet and other high value things. And multiple of those HSMs would have to be tampered with and hacked. So it would really take a pretty extreme collusion and attempt to successfully tamper with some hardware that's designed to make that difficult across multiple exchanges. So it's it's pretty difficult to you know, to violate its its system guarantees. And it's transparent because it's blockchain-based. You can look at you know, how many coins are in there and see that the amount in circulation matches what was paid in, for example. Um, Does it ever trade, trade at different prices? Is there ever a premium on a liquid Bitcoin or a premium on Bitcoin over liquid? Is, is that like a... A thing and are liquid bitcoin ever traded separately like would you go on exchange you can trade bitcoin or liquid bitcoin so the way that i mean it's up to the exchanges so yeah. far almost all of them have just treated interchangeably okay some of it's transparent you just deposit either type and it's sort of they sort of treat it like you could deposit bitcoin using lightning or or main chain right so they treat it like that you can deposit using liquid Bitcoin or Bitcoin, and it shows up as a balance, and you can withdraw using Bitcoin or liquid Bitcoin, depending on what you want, right? If you're, if you're going to call storage, you take out Bitcoin. If you're zipping it across to another exchange for trade, or you're putting it into your trading wallet because you're going to trade it later in the day, then you take it out in liquids. So they've pretty much, all of them except for maybe one or two, which we can explain in a second, are converting between them with no fees. So not only is it a one-to-one price, there's not even a conversion fee. One where this is different is, so there's a, a company called SideShift, which um, is sort of accountless, right? You just paste your address, the amount, and, and it gives you another address, and you send your, your Bitcoins to the first address, and you'll receive liquid Bitcoins on the second address. And I think they have a 1% commission. 
So, but it's instant and it's accountless. So it's kind of a convenience thing. Sometimes people want a smaller, moderate amount of liquid Bitcoin so they can use it for fees or just to get started quickly. So it's, it's a convenience thing. So what, there's one Korean exchange that actually has a market. It's called GoPax, and they actually have a market, a market between liquid Bitcoin and Bitcoin. And I think it's just in one of the exceptions to the, the majority. Yeah, so we'd, we'd assume that that market would... So, so in, to answer your question, yeah, that, that one looks like a market. You can buy and sell Bitcoin for liquid Bitcoin. But it's a very attractive thing to arbitrage if the price diverges because, you know, in one direction you can convert it yourself and in the other direction there are multiple exchanges that will convert it at zero fees. So you've got to assume that market will track, you know, uh, 0.999 to 1.001 kind of, you know, very, very tight spreads because it's free money if it, if it's, you know, if the price is different, it's almost free money. So, um, there are some other markets like this. For example, uh, Bitfinex has support for three or four different stablecoins. A US dollar denominated stablecoins. They support Tether, obviously, their sister company. They support GUSD, Gemini USD, and I think USDC, which is a Circle, and maybe one more, TUSD. And they all have markets versus US dollar, and the US dollar is know uh, your bank balance if you transfer wire transfers in and those those markets are like that right they're like 0.99 something versus 1.000 something um so you'll assume that the liquid bitcoin versus bitcoin on gopax would be like that but you know potentially even more extreme because there's not even any bank account risk the, the challenge so far with Stablecoins has been the banks interrupting service or funds getting frozen in bank accounts. Next up, I talk to Adam and Samson more about Liquid. But before that, I've got a message from my amazing sponsors. So firstly, we've got Kraken, the mighty Kraken. They put the power in your hands to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is looking pretty strong at the moment. After the halving, we are just kind of tapping up at 10K. Hopefully, we're going to break through soon. And if you are new to Bitcoin, if you're thinking of getting on, you think you want to buy some, then Kraken is the place to go. At Kraken.com, it could not be easier to sign up and buy Bitcoin. They also have a beautiful mobile-first app, so you can buy Bitcoin on the go. With their world-class security, they are the most trusted cryptocurrency exchange on the market. And with their 24-7, 365 customer support, they will help you with any issues, whoever you are, and wherever you are. There is no better place to buy Bitcoin. Find out more at Kraken.com or download the app, which is available for the iPhone and Android. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Also, today we have BlockFi, the future of Bitcoin and financial services. They just launched their mobile app. It's a super amazing app. They've done a really, really solid job with it. It is quick and easy to sign up, and you can open up a BlockFi interest account, earn money on your Bitcoin, and using your Bitcoin as collateral, you can also take out a USD loan. The app enables funds to be transferred directly from a crypto wallet directly into the BlockFi account. There's so many other amazing things coming up for BlockFi this year. I'm really looking forward to their Satsback credit card. We've been talking about that for a while. That's coming soon. The company has had a very, very solid last 12 months. Happy to support them and do appreciate the support they've given me over the last couple of years. If you want to find out more, head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com.
Okay, so I'm trying to think about like because I'm not a trader. A use case for me, and one would be pretty cool is uh, I play a lot of poker. Really enjoy it. Playing a tournament every Thursday uh, with a few other bitcoiners played last night, but I have to get my bitcoin sent to it a good. I have to do it in the middle of the day just to make sure it's there by the time we start. Uh, and one of the other things is like you can get busted out. It's like, well, if I want to put some more Bitcoin in and stay in the game, essentially I've got to wait. Well, yeah, it could be an hour, and you could miss most of the game. So right. someone build, someone could build a, a like Bitcoin in liquid, right? Using liquid Bitcoin, and it'd be easy and faster to deposit. The same solution that you're providing for traders, you could provide for poker players. Well, that yeah. site could just integrate with Liquid and accept it because yeah. if uh, they are they are a member of the Liquid network, they can always convert Liquid Bitcoin back to Bitcoin. So there's no risk to them. But for me, I could I could hold like a very small amount of my Bitcoin in Liquid on my um, yeah. on my on my hardware wallet. Want to go and play a game? I know I can be playing within two minutes. Exactly. Right. You mentioned um, the benefit of being able to put funds quickly into a poker game if you're otherwise going to bust out and you need to increase your pot and you want to do it in human time, not in an hour when the game's over. I think you get similar situations with trading. So for example, you can get kind of margin called when the market gets choppy. And if you don't, if you don't, you know, respond to that, you can get liquidated. So I, I had a situation like this. I uh, bought some, Bitcoin Perpetual Futures on Bitsy. So one of the liquid exchanges. So it's kind of leveraged way to buy Bitcoin using Bitcoin. If the price falls below a certain threshold, they will sell all the coins. <laughs> so I could see this, this was right about the time that the, uh, the market was going crazy with the COVID news. And so I got a bit worried that it would fall through the liquidation price. So I put some liquid Bitcoin on there, which is pretty quick and problems averted. And I did that from another exchange. So it was all done in, in minutes. And of course, at that point, you know, the, the Bitcoin network itself was pretty busy, right? Because primarily, I think what drives Bitcoin fees is traders, because traders want to trade quickly. And they're already paying other much higher fees. So, you know, they would pay a 30 or $40 wire transfer fee, they pay a 20, uh, 20 basis point, so 0.2% uh, take a fee, like a commission to the exchange. And if they're trading $10,000, you know, you'll be up into the $100 range. So whether they pay, you know, one cent or 10 cents or a dollar, they don't care, right? What they care is that their trade happens like in the next block and not, you know, like four hours later when they got liquidated. So... That's why traders and exchanges as well tend to overpay for fees. And then, you know, the, the fee market goes crazy because mm -hmm. the fee market is just lots of software looking at what's the average fee and trying to bid higher. So as soon as somebody does that, it's kind of like a crowd of turkeys, right? If somebody goes boo and they all make a loud noise, it, it turns into a cacophony and suddenly the fees go high. So that, that's what's happening with trading, which is, you know, the traders don't care. The exchanges seem to be not that bothered about the situation. You know, if the fees go up from 10 cents average to a dollar, they just charge the users $3. And if it goes up more, they charge the users $5. And the users are trading, the average exchange trader is trading higher amounts 
particularly people doing things across exchanges. You know, people dabbling on one exchange, they're not really exposed to fees because they leave their assets on the exchange, so they're, they're not really touching the, the blockchain. But so I think this the the liquid can actually help quite a lot in reducing the fee pressure on Bitcoin, making it more pleasant and convenient to use Bitcoin for cold storage, the censorship resistant payments, which is after all, you know, that that censorship resistance and unseizability is a big part of Bitcoin's value proposition. So it's kind of ironic that traders chasing that value proposition are degrading the experience of, you know, benefiting from a value proposition. So I would argue that, you know, if more exchanges and traders use liquids, they will, you know, give a nicer experience and better value proposition for people trying to use Bitcoin for its differentiated benefits as opposed to trading. Now, trading is good. It's useful. It, it forms part of price discovery. People want to buy into the future of this unsensible digital money. But these these things are competing and the traders are more price insensitive. So it's a problem. So liquid, liquid like Lightning, Liquid can be a solution for a third type of transfer. You know, so if Lightning is focused on the retail and micropayment, Bitcoin focused on the censorship resistance and unseizability, which is the core use case, and Liquid focused on helping traders because it gives them advantages. It's faster. It's more confidential. And we can talk about that and why that's relevant for trading in a bit. Um, so those three things are beneficially competitive. People will use the layer that is offers them the most advantages. It's funny that a lot of traders will benefit a lot from using Liquid. And by using Liquid, they benefit everyone using Bitcoin main chain because they're not bidding up the fees. So it's a good relationship to have when we have more adoption of Liquid. Does it take fees away from miners, though? Are you taking business away that miners would have had there's a there's that long term long term concern that some people have or debate whereby you know, as the block subsidy reduces we will need more fees on on the main chain. Are you taking business away? So I would argue not. And people have had this argument most clearly for Lightning. So that this argument was first put forward in the context of Lightning that oh you know now the people who are routing payments on Lightning channels are going to get the fees and the miners won't get the fees. But you know, ultimately, um, people have to open and close Lightning channels and they pay fees. And if Lightning enables more use cases and generates more value for Bitcoin, that will increase the demand and the price for Bitcoin. So I think it's it's ultimately good for everyone. And you can also think about you know, something like Lightning as a more efficient analogy to having a very large block. So if, let's say, on-chain transactions happen, like a channel is opened, it's used a thousand times, and then it's closed. Let's say that's the average. Then that's equivalent to a, you know, a thousand times bigger block. And economically, it would have the same effect. So clearly, if, if your block is like, way bigger than there's demand for, supply and demand, the fees are going to be zero. Miners are going to get no money. So for miners to say, well, we don't like Lightning because it takes away the fees, that's them saying that they want to constrain the block size so that people have to pay a lot. So you know, you kind of have it both ways. Do you want Bitcoin to be scalable so we can 
support lots of use, you know, so Bitcoin can support lots of use cases, onboard lots of users, have them have a convenient and good experience. Liquid has some sort of similarities with that. You know, it does, it is a layer two, it does interact with the main chain. There are, you know, good reasons why people would uh, peg out or swap out. Like if they want to do cold storage or they want to make unseizable money, censorship resistant payments, they can convert back. And a conversion like with like with Lightning, the conversion in and out of Liquid also creates on-chain transactions. So the miners get paid for that. That's a fair point. I think for for Lightning, it's actually adding more utility to Bitcoin because you can't really use Bitcoin main chain for day-to-day payments or small payments, but Lightning allows you to do that. And typically you're overpaying when you're opening a Lightning channel. So in in some way you're compensating the miners for that. But I do think Liquid does take away some revenue from miners because like, if the main chain fees are getting bid up to astronomical levels, then technically Liquid would be, would be taking that away in some way. Yeah, that's that's what I felt like that that would be happening. I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing. I'm just kind of like wondering, yeah, you know, what the trade offs here for it. Another question I've got actually related to this as well, because Adam, you said when you use Liquid, you're essentially moving the Bitcoin into Liquid, and it's just a way of moving that Bitcoin around. But I can't help but feel like, whilst that sounds right, it does feel like it's more like you're creating an IOU with Liquid rather than moving that Bitcoin into Liquid. Am I being fair? Well, that's, I think it's a bit more nuanced than that, but okay. that is a, a typification that some people, you know, new technology appears, people try to get to grips with it, and that's a kind of simplifying statement that some people put on it. And so you could think about the, the balance of your exchange account as an IOU. Clearly, that's an IOU because you have you know, some kind of contract with the exchange, they're um, a legal custodian of your assets. If they lose it, you could complain, you know, legally and morally that they owed you, so it's an IOU. But Liquid is, um, is it's somewhat decentralized. It's a, you know, it's a peer-to-peer network with these HSM block signers processing blocks. And, you know, what any individual operator of a block sign that does has no impact on the network because you know, basically blocks don't get processed, transactions don't get signed unless two-thirds of the HSMs sign. So there's no and, and, and these HSMs are, you know, they're, they're sealed boxes that are not easy to tamper with. So it's in, if, if you talk about an IOU, typically you're thinking that, well, I put some money onto the exchange, I did some trading, and then requested the money back. And there can be, you know, like an IT, you know, a, an exchange support person that's going to look through the request and approve it or deny it or ask for more documents and stuff. So that that feels more like an IOU because it's human involvement. But this is, you know, it's, I think it's it's completely non-discretionary. There are no humans involved. It's closer to Bitcoin mining. So it's just using the sealed HSMs in this kind of federated pitch-to-pin network as a, a new type of blockchain that is doing that as a way to sort of emulate mining with, with some faster predictability. Now, of course, in the limit, 
they could stop, you know, if, if something went very wrong in the exchange world, like some massive exchange hack or something, they could call each other up and say, this, this is terrible. Can you pause the network? And if enough of them agreed to do that, the network would stop processing blocks and there would be a prospect that they could, with quite a bit of technical work, undo something that hadn't left the system. Now, of course, um, so that's that's where people are correct that you know this is clearly not as unseizable or unfreezable as mainchain Bitcoin, and it's certainly not advertised as that, right? But for traders, it's safer. But I I push back a bit on calling it an IOU because that has you know, legal implications and implies discretion and responsibility and things like that. I'll say that's fair then. Okay, I mean. I- I'm asking the questions because I want to know the answers, but I actually I really like the sound of liquid. I I can see, I can see it being something that I would use, but not for trading. But um, I think as Bitcoin grows and more services are built, that you just want that movement of coins to be quicker. Like I say with poker, that could be very useful, or, or gaming, or, or other kinds of things. The uh, the other thing I want to ask you about is the issuance of assets, because um, that itself is very interesting. If I wanted to create peak coin on uh, liquid i could do that right you definitely could so the benefit of issued assets on liquid is that it's very simple it's the at the same level as say bitcoin is on the bitcoin chain so there's no smart contract involved you just run one command and you issue your bitcoin um, you can even do something like multi-sig issuance that's something that we had uh, built for a tether so when you issue Bitcoin, you'll need three people or five people to sign off before you can issue more, and that pre- prevents any one person from going rogue and printing Bitcoin. But uh, I think issue assets are really great. I mean, a lot of people use ERC-20s to do tokens, uh, stable coins, and whatnot, but you're, you're pursuing a very roundabout way to do something very simple. You don't need a smart contract to issue a token. You can just issue the token. Yeah. Well, so this is where it gets a bit more interesting and, and helps with some of the problems because I, I, I'm like uh, definitely more in the Bitcoin maximum as well. But at the same time, I, I appreciate and actually use uh, stable coins. I think they're very useful and I use them on uh, the Ethereum chain. And But there is a lot of cr- criticisms from people uh, with regards to Ethereum, but th- there is a usefulness to the stable coins. So I guess moving stable coins onto something like Liquid, I would guess you would say that's a that's a better environment for stablecoins. Well, definitely. You also have the improved privacy through confidential transactions, so you can't actually see what you're moving. You just uh, see a transaction happen. You don't know the amounts or the asset type. So all those services that monitor the blockchain and say, you know, someone transferred so and uh, how much amounts of tether to this exchange. That doesn't happen with Liquid. It's all invisible, and it's bringing back financial privacy to trading. And I think a lot of traders are interested in that. And a lot we see more and more people lobbying exchanges to support the Liquid Tether and Liquid itself, just because it's better for them because no one can monitor their transactions between the different exchanges. Also, like we talked about before, you have the potential to have Lightning on top of these stablecoins or issued assets. And that's something that you just won't have on Ethereum for a very, very long time. So outside of engineering, what is the difference between issuing Peakcoin on, say, Ethereum versus issuing on Liquid? I mean, can I still do... 
Can I still do a dodgy pre-mine? Like, did, well, the, can, can I still mess around with the incentives and, and issue a shitcoin? Like, if I've, well, with my own poor incentives. Issuing something is basically a, a pre-mine. You're printing an asset, right? So the question is, why do I have Peatcoin? Is it backed by gold or something? If not, then you, you're just printing something and selling it. So you could issue a, a shitcoin and liquid. I mean, it, it's totally possible. Or you could issue something like a stablecoin backed by fiat deposits. So I mean, the question is really your design. Once, what I'm saying is it doesn't, it doesn't change human incentives, right? You've just created right. a better platform for doing it. Yeah. I mean, you can look at some of the common assets on liquid. So there's... A few stablecoins and more in the works. So the Tether stablecoin, where you're trusting Tether's bank account and their operations. The LCAD, liquid Canadian dollar, by Bull Bitcoin, is it's actually slightly different, but it has the same effect. You you can it's it has a, a Canadian dollar price. Technically, it's it's a voucher. So the only way to redeem it is to buy Bitcoin with it at the current market price. So it's a kind of prepaid voucher. You pay. Canadian dollars in with a Canadian bank account, you get liquid Canadian dollars out. And when you want want to convert out of that, the only thing you can convert it to, at least on the bull Bitcoin or the Aquanel platform, which is their uh, liquidity provider, on those two platforms, you you can only use it to buy Bitcoin because it's uh, it's technically like a Canadian tire money. You can uh, sort of voucher that you can use to buy. Their products and they only sell one product, which is Bitcoin. <laughs> but anyway, so those are the kind of stablecoin types of things. Um, but there are other things, you know. So there's the uh, Bitsy token, which is an exchange token that's, I guess, it gives you discounts on the exchange. I'm not, I'm not like super familiar with the details, but it, it gives you discounts on the exchange. Uh, it has a floating price, which in some way reflects the profitability of the exchange. And I think they they buy them back, kind of like the. Uh, Bitfinex Leo token using the exchange excess revenue, they buy some of them back and destroy them, so that can affect the price of it. So, if people are, you know, enthusiastic about Bitsy Exchange and think it's going to get, you know, heavy use, then maybe they're going to buy some of those. So, it's, I wouldn't say it's a share, but it's something else. It's like an exchange token, and there are a few of them around. And that one's issued on the Liquid Network. Um, there are these games tokens we've talked about, so it's sort of blurring the line between in-game currencies and in-game artifacts and a cryptocurrency wallet where you can put things in and out of, an ex- of, a, of a game engine or a game platform. So it's kind of novel. Um, I think it's interesting to see the sort of experiment because a lot of, I mean, Samson's uh, the expert on this coming from the gaming world, but I think a lot of the game, the big game houses and platforms like Steam and so on, they're very captive and controlling. It's walled garden. You know, you've got to use their in-game currency. You've got to use, you know, they've got to take the cut of it. They want to control and even prevent users from selling artifacts in the game. So this is kind of uh, more open, interchangeable. You can take things into a wallet. You can sell them in person, you know, person to person. You can gift them to your friends. You can list them on the crypto exchange potentially and, and get a market price for them. So it's a much more open, interchangeable model. And you know, it opens up the possibility of porting artifacts between different different game worlds, even if if they choose to to do that. So you know the there is there is a sort of um, I'd say almost binary thinking mindset that says that the only 
real cryptocurrency is Bitcoin. And then there are altcoins, which are, you know, people have different views on. But anything else is, it doesn't need a blockchain. That's, that's some people's argument, right? Oh, you, can use, you could use the game servers database or you could use an Excel spreadsheet. And I think that misses a lot of the point, which is you know, the, the game servers database, I can't, I can't look at that. They could create a million more of these rare swords tomorrow. I wouldn't even know it, right? Whereas on blockchain format, it's, it feels more bearer. It feels more like an electronic coin. And people are used to that experience now with cryptocurrency trading. So even even if the fundamentals are not the same as Bitcoin, you know the freedom to move assets around, more user control, more user transparency, the ability to run a full node on the network and feel that those limits that that they claim are there are going to actually be enforced by my my software is different. I think it's an interesting experiment. It's also uh, improving the trading experience too. So if you do have a game currency like INF, you can do that uh, atomic swap or trustless tra trade with uh, someone for USDT, right? So it just opens up a, a new world for people to exchange without having to trust and get scammed. I think there's something very neat about the idea of having assets that can be interchanged between different games as well. It kind of, it kind of puts me in that. Uh, makes me think of that Ready Player One world where you go into this kind of virtual world. And you can go in and out of different games. Yeah, a lot of people are interested in that, but I, I think it's still difficult because if you're making a game, you want to sell your stuff. You don't really want someone to bring something else in. I like the concept, but that's why for Infinite Fleet, we're focused on just the game currency. I think that being portable is the most important thing for now, and then we can see what happens with interchangeable assets later. So Lights, Light Knight, the other, the other game, um, more live-action kind of game, is allowing you to take game artifacts out as liquid assets, and they, they have a bunch of them issued. So I think we did um, a joint uh, event during the Consensus Week with Light Knight, mm -hmm. so they gave away some uh, game artifacts, uh, sort of lottery to Consensus conference attendees so there are a bunch of people with uh, light night game assets now that they can load into the game so they're doing that they're running that experiment so i just think it's interesting to to run different experiments to to try a more open approach a lot, a lot of games multiplayer games have tried to strongly discourage external to the game economics like people trading things people farming things they didn't like that they felt it changed the game in ways they didn't like but you know if a game is designed to allow that and encourage it it's different. It's more open. So we'll, we'll see these different models uh, play out. There's another interesting project out there, which is Condensat Bank. So this is a weed, co weed coder, I think, uh, Julian. He's building up a, a new online bank, and all of the bank assets are liquid assets. So they're all on-chain from day one. So there's a lot of interesting experiments out there that people can do with liquid. So another asset in Liquid is SAI. So I mentioned a service called SideShift. So an SAI, I think, is a share in SideShift. So that's, that's another type of thing you can do. And that's, So you can that's, fundraise on the platform and issue shares based on the fundraising. Yeah, so, so you can fundraise. And I, I think um, going back to your earlier point, you're kind of asking, does Liquid help negate scammy projects? 
And I don't think the it necessarily does. Like the technology is just better technology. You can still do uh, an ICO, but what we're seeing is better projects gravitating towards this tech. Uh, I think you know projects that are delivering or have something that customers can actually use are more likely to use liquid rather than something else and just deliver empty promises. And one uh, direction that we're heading in on liquid is to security tokens. So. I think last year at Consensus, we announced uh, that we were building liquid securities. And this is a way for people to issue security tokens on the liquid blockchain to raise capital legally. And um, we're seeing quite a few projects uh, pursuing this route. One of them is Infinite Fleet, which I'm working on. So that is a security token. In the US, we're working on our Reg A plus application. And in Europe, we're issuing under um, European law through Stalker, which is our, our broker. But I think we'll see more and more security token projects come out to raise capital and do it in a legitimate way. So, so there are three companies that have or are in the process of integrating liquid securities support. And those are companies that help uh, startups who are looking to raise money with regulatory compliance, basically. I think that's a fair way to typify them, hopefully. So those include Banks of the Future, uh, Tokensoft, and Stocker. So they're, they're platforms you can go to if you're an angel investor. Depending on the country you come from, uh, they've got a catalog of the investment rules in each country, and they collect your documentation. So they will qualify you on a platform, and then you'll be able to why you know invest in the different offerings they put in front of their uh, investor pool, and so they're integrating liquid security tokens support. And liquid securities are a little bit different. So there, there are sort of two types of assets in liquid. The, the regular asset is just like a coin; you can send it anywhere. There's no restriction. Uh, you just paste an address and you send it. The security token platform is multi-signature based and applies a, uh, an issue of policy. So you know, if, it, if it's issued in partnership with Tokensoft, then Tokensoft may have a policy that says, well, this applicant is in Europe, and to be a qualified investor in Europe, they need to provide this documentation or have this income level or something like that. So it's able to use a multi-sig and a policy server run by Tokensoft in this case, it's able to uh, apply those investor restrictions. So it's it's uh, you know it's very simple technology. It's just using multisig. The the blockchain only sees two signatures. So I think that is more robust and simple and reliable, easier to program against than the alternatives, which put a lot of complexity and fragility into into their respective blockchains. And, and plus, Liquid is a federated chain, so you don't have to worry about things like forks and splits and whatnot. And when you're dealing with the security token, that's those are things you don't really want to have to deal with. Like your investors saying, is my token on ETH or on ETC? Yeah, splitting your company in two. One of the interesting things I, I found about Lightnight, which I want to just go back to, is, uh, I mean, I don't know if you thought about this, but it's the kind of game my son would play, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's a great onboarding tool for teenagers and to teaching them about Bitcoin. Yeah, well, I think for Lightnet, you can earn sats. You can stack sats while you're you know, shooting people up. And 
it, it's a very fun game. It's based off of uh, Fortnite, and that's massively popular. But I, I think there are a lot of projects out there that will bring you know Bitcoin and crypto assets to the masses, and that's something we hope to do with Infinite Fleet too. We're intentionally not making it difficult for people to um, access the crypto part. Like there are games out there that will force you to download a wallet and whatnot. But for us, we want to just make the game, make a great AAA MMO. And, you know, the portability of the currency is something you can look at later and choose to use or not use. All right. So the last thing I wanted to ask you about is the confidentiality that you get with uh, Liquid. Have you, are you making uh, the, the job of chain analysis a lot harder? <laughs> Which I hope is a yes. Well, I, I don't think that we should be importing a lot of old world concepts into Bitcoin. Like money should just be money. A lot of uh, the chain surveillance ideas are essentially trying to project morality onto money. Like uh, you shouldn't be uh, doing something, you shouldn't be a cam girl or whatever, and you should not be accepting payments or getting paid or those kind of ideas. Um, Liquid definitely helps a lot with that because of confidential transactions. But uh, I think more importantly, we need to do more on Bitcoin's main chain. And on that front, we've been pushing the P2EP initiative or PayJoin uh, to kind of eliminate the common input heuristics and make that irrelevant so that blockchain surveillance companies can't say, you know, these coins belong to these, this person because uh, they're from the same input. Yeah, so on the on the page in front or P2E, P2EP, we worked with uh, BTC Pay Server, which is a popular kind of Bitcoin uh, web store plugin framework uh, to add liquid support and to add uh, PayJoin or P2E endpoint so that you can it's PayJoin is a kind of um, is a way to join coins with the person you're paying and that that makes it simpler and more ambiguous and more private and provides value to both parties because if you are a merchant you end up with lots of coins you know typically at least one coin per customer or item that you've sold and so you end up with this massive wallet full of small change and what what PageOne does is it allows you to kind of use up your change as you go. So you're sort of converting loose change into larger denomination coins as you sell new products. Um, by doing that, you're sort of consolidating your coins with the new customers' coins. And because, because there's ambiguity, you know, somebody looking at the blockchain doesn't know how much the item costs. They can't really tell whether it is a pay join and the fact that the amounts are different doesn't make the math obvious. So normally if you do a join with two different amounts, it's going to be obvious from the change who got, who got what, you know, right? If I put one Bitcoin in and you put two Bitcoins in, um, that has to, that has to net out, right? We have to get the same amounts out. So it will be pretty unambiguous whose coins, which, and so people are sometimes, splitting the coins into standard amounts, like 0.1 Bitcoins, and then they will join those. And then it will be somewhat obvious that that's a join because there are all these equal amount payments. With pay join, that's not the case. It's a kind of opportunistic join, which may or may not happen each time two people 
make a payment. It could be to users, it could be users to a merchant. And so now there is pay join support in a BTC pay server merchant plugin. That's pretty nice. And it also has liquid support. So, you know, you can use liquid Canadian dollars, liquid US dollars, Bitcoin to pay for items on the store. And actually we did uh, uh, a promotion where we gave a discount for holding onto your sats and paying with uh, fiat, get rid of the uh, uh, less, less hard money first. Um, so it's kind of the opposite to the usual approach where people try to give a Bitcoin discount. And, you know, as a user, you want to hold onto your Bitcoins actually. So I think that may be better. Um, so we start talking about confidentiality. So yeah, confidential transactions is uh, interesting bit of privacy tech, improves privacy and fungibility. Um, for transactions in liquid, it's, it's a kind of tech that people might be interested to see in Bitcoin longer term. Um, a lot of people are excited about the potential of it. Basically what it does is if, if I make a payment to you, you know, you know how much I paid you. I know how much I paid you, but somebody looking at it from the outside can't see how, how much, how many coins, you know, how many Bitcoins were in, in my wallet before and after and how big the payment was. So they see the transaction and they can see the addresses, but they don't know how much traded hands. Um, because Liquid has multiple assets, it, it also hides the asset type. So looking at this transaction from the outside, you may not be able to tell which transaction is a US dollar, a light night, game token, or a Bitcoin. So there's even more ambiguity there. And so, you know, for the people doing this kind of uh, intrusive analysis, there's there's much less to latch onto. Um, now we talked a little bit ago about the the benefits of this for traders. So you see all these Twitter bots that tweet out when larger amounts are deposited on exchanges or drawn from exchanges or moved. And so, because there's confidentiality they can't see how much is, tr is deposited, so they won't be able to tell. And traders care about this, particularly bigger traders or institutions, so like a, a crypto fund that has assets representing the savings of many users. They don't want that to become public knowledge too quickly because you know, if they want to buy a lot of Bitcoins and they deposit a lot of liquid tether balance onto an exchange, if people see that signal, it's like, oh, somebody's probably going to buy a lot of Bitcoin. I will buy Bitcoin and then sell it to them at a mock-up. And that will put your price up and it will disadvantage you. So hiding that information is is good for the trader, particularly the big traders. But, you know, I mean, I think the changing topics a bit as well, you know, we've talked a lot about the trading use case and, and the, you know, the asset use cases. But... You know, technology is, is uh, you know, people will find their own uses for technology. So Liquid makes trade-offs that we've discussed. It's not as unseizable. It's not as censorship resistant. It's not as good for cold storage. But it has some advantages. It's a bit faster and it's more confidential. So for people that would like to 
tray out confidential transactions, have a look what that looks like in Explorer, see what the experience is like, um, they can do that. And, you know, if it's for, and maybe they're okay with the security trade-off, uh, particularly if it's, you know, if it's not a large amount, the fees are lower, it's faster, you know, why not? So the, the other thing is the lightning on top of liquid. Um, I th and, and that works today with uh, liquid Bitcoin. And we'll, you know, we're working on adding support for other assets, lightning on top of other assets in liquid. Is that, so let's think about what are the properties of liquid on top of, sorry, lightning on top of liquid Bitcoin, um, as opposed to lightning on, on regular Bitcoin. So it's true that lightning on regular Bitcoin has less trust requirement because you can, you know, if somebody tries to close the channel in a way that's unfair, you can contest it or your software can, right? So in Liquid, maybe there's a different risk that, you know, if there was a big exchange hack and the network stopped, your, your funds might be stuck for a while and that would be a disadvantage. Or if somebody was really determined to censor your lightning or liquid transaction, there's a slightly higher risk. But, you know, on a practical basis, is that really, really something that's likely to happen? It seems fairly implausible. You know, the exchange operators are interested in traders. They don't really care about your, you know, one guy's small lightning transaction on lightning on top of liquid. So I think that as Lightning is typically anyway targeted at low-value transactions, people may not be as concerned about seizability because, you know, it's, it's the smartphone is maybe worth more than the amount of Bitcoins on it. And so they're trading anyway with the amount of money where if they drop their wallet in the street with some cash in it, it's, it's that kind of loss, right? So it's a smaller loss. So the prospects of it getting seized are less concerning. The security trade-offs are less concerning. So, you know, while it doesn't, it, it is technically correct that it's less seizable and it may be a controversial claim, I think you could say that it would be perfectly reasonable and rational decision to use liquid with lightning on top of it for moderate values. Um, there might be some advantages in terms of fees and speed and things like that. Well, on Liquid, you wouldn't have a forced channel closure, right? Because of a jump in fees. Mm -hmm. I guess that's another benefit. It seems pretty cool. I, I think it's like almost everything in Bitcoin, there are trade-offs, right? <laughs> whether you want to use a mobile wallet, a hardware wallet, whether you have air-gapped wallet, whether you want to use Lightning, or you want to use Liquid, you want to use base. Every single thing we do in Bitcoin, there are trade-offs. I think it sounds really cool. I think it's quite exciting. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing, because I, like I say, I'm not a trader, but if someone was to build a poker application using Liquid, that makes a lot of sense for me. I can see a use case and a problem solved immediately. It, it, you know, just in preparation, our buy-in for this table, right? The buy-in to play this game was 0.1 Bitcoin, but you had to deposit 0.3 Bitcoin in case you, you know, busted out within 10 minutes and you wanted to do a rebuy. So you're actually having to overload your wallet. 
and and immediately now I'm thinking that as a use case. Um, but it also feels like in some ways you you are kind of just scratching the surface with liquid. Yeah, definitely. I, I think um, some people also like to talk about you know using Lightning for everything, and I think Lightning is really good for small payments. But in your example there, you know it may be difficult to route that much Bitcoin, and yeah. It'd be better to use liquid in that case, and it ultimately comes back down to what you're saying. Like, there's a lot of different tools and a lot of different trade-offs, and I think the most important thing is to use the right tool for the right problem, and to be smart about it. If you just yeah. say everything's on chain, then well, you'll have a difficult time. If you want to do everything through Lightning, you also have a different a difficult time too. It's just really be about. It's really just about being smart about what you're using. Well, it's like I've got um, main chain Bitcoin, but I, I keep like I've got two Lightning wallets. I've got about probably about two hundred fifty dollars between them in there, and they, I never take them off there just in case I need Lightning Bitcoin. But I could see a scenario whereby with Liquid, I would if there was say some poker app, I'd be like, great, I'll I'll just leave half a Bitcoin on there, uh, send it in there, and then I that, that's covering me until I get completely busted out. But that I know that's going to cover me for a while, so I can just see this different kind of. Uh, layers that you would just leave just different amounts on for your use, and it's always like the the, the it's, it goes back to that kind of analogy that the the main chain is your bank, and uh, perhaps um, Lightning is your wallet, perhaps Liquid. I don't know what's Liquid. Is Liquid your uh, prepaid credit card? Liquid is Bitcoin in your in your safe, or you know your cash in your safe at home. Yeah, but I can see a lot of use cases. I think it's very cool. It seems like you've done a lot of amazing work for, with it. So congratulations on that. I'm also very excited by Light Night. I'm I'm looking forward to showing it to my son. Is the game out yet? Or is it? Do we know when it's out? I think it looks like they have a playable version coming out this summer. So maybe June, July. Yeah, I'm looking forward to showing them that. All right. So look, if people want to find out a bit more about Liquid, where should they go? Um, I think Liquid.net is where we're pointing people to these days. So. It's a resource. It's got news about Liquid. Uh, it links to documentation, and it talks about the Federation members as well. Oh, awesome. And uh, I won't tell them where to follow you because they probably know by now. Now, and you've both been on the show multiple times. Well, I'll stick that in the show notes. Appreciate you both coming on. Um, hope you're staying safe out there. Hopefully, these uh, lockdowns are coming to an end soon, and we'll all see each other somewhere in the world someday. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Thanks. Okay, so what did you think of that? Now, I'll be honest, Liquid isn't something I've spent too much time looking at because it really isn't something that I thought I would use. I'm not a trader, so it isn't really a product that has much scope for me. But after listening about it, after them explaining it to me, I can actually see some use cases where it is something I would put some Bitcoin in. It's something I'd use, especially if I could use it for some of the poker stuff I'm doing. Now, I wouldn't put all my Bitcoin in there, same as I wouldn't do with Lightning Network, but I can see a scenario where I've got a Lightning wallet, a liquid wallet and a Bitcoin wallet together. I think there are definitely some strong use cases for it. And Adam and Samson said there are trade-offs with liquid over the base chain. But if you understand these, I think it can be a very useful tool. So what do you think? Have you been using liquid? Will you be trying it out? I'd love to get some feedback. If you are, let me know what you think of it. Reach out to me on hello at whatbitcoindid.com. And also, I hope everyone's doing okay. It feels like these lockdowns are coming to an end soon, which is great. I hope everyone's going to be able to get back to work soon. Hopefully, you've been able to check out my other show, Defiance. I have got a new show coming out on that tomorrow, like a mini audio documentary, my first one. So hopefully, you'll check that out. Any questions, you feel free to reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. 